Welcome everyone to Shore Foundation Church. We are so glad to have you this morning. I'm Pastor John and I am glad that you are here. We are gonna hear from the Lord this morning. However you have stumbled on to this podcast, uh, this ministry, whether someone shared a message with you or you were searching, uh, we believe that the Spirit of God will speak expressly to you, that you are not here by accident. And I wanna encourage you if you're listening uh, to this podcast, um, recording, maybe take a pause right here and just worship the Lord for a few minutes before you go on. And for all of our, our, our live listeners, I'm going to ask that you lift your hands, worship the Lord. If you can stop what you're doing for a moment and let's just be still before the Lord. Um, and we'll go ahead and be blessed together. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Isn't that good? We're going to open up with the word this morning and then we're going to go into prayer and I'm going to jump right into the message. Glory to God. I'm going to read this morning from the book of Acts, chapter 20, verse 17. And Acts chapter 20 and verse 17. And this is what it says. And it says, and from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, you know, from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you all at all seasons serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither can I my life dear unto myself, so I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock, also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. And now, brothers, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. Father, we thank you right now for your word this morning. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here in the midst of us. And we thank you, Lord, and we glorify you that you will speak unto your people, Lord, that we will have ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church corporately, but also individually. We thank you, Lord God, that we are not like those that go down into the pit. We are not like those that are without hope. 
and without God in the world are and are strangers to the covenant of promise. We thank you, Lord, that we are your heirs and joint heirs with the anointed one who is Christ Jesus. And we thank you, Lord God, that you have you have you have encouraged us to come boldly to the throne of grace and find help when we need it. And we thank you, Lord God, that if we ask of you that you will reveal unto us all things, that you will not hold anything back. You, if any man lacks wisdom, you give it to us freely, you upbraid not. Therefore, we thank you, Lord God, that you are here in the midst of us. And I come against everything that's not like the spirit of God. Lord, every listener that is under the sound of my voice, Lord, if they have been struggling to be in the presence of the Lord all week, I thank you, Lord God, that they've been struggling to read their Bible or pray. Lord, I thank you for the blood of Jesus over their spirit, soul, and body right now, that right now they will be able to do that, Lord. They will be arrested in the anointing and that they will be able to hear your voice right now in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Lord God, that no weapon formed against them prospers. And now, Lord, behold their threat, their threatenings and grant unto your servant that with all boldness I might declare your word by stretching forth your hand to heal and lifting your voice through my voice, Lord, that signs and wonders might be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. We're so glad to have you this morning. Really excited about what the Lord has been saying. Uh, we have been talking about why church over the last uh, couple of weeks, and today will be the final message about why church. Um, we hope you've been really blessed. We're going to give you a quick review, but I know I've been blessed just ministering it and just being in the Lord's presence, and I've just been really encouraged, and I, I, I pray that you're encouraged too. So we're going to go ahead and, 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 uh, and conclude this message today, Why Church? And just to kind of give you a quick synopsis, a quick review, we've been talking about the importance of, of Why Church because, you know, as, uh, as God's people, as God's inheritance, as his children, the Lord has given us everything. He hasn't held anything back. You know, the Word of God says that if, you know, if the Lord gave us his only begotten son, the only begotten of the father, it says, how shall he with, with him, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. You know, you might need a couple dollars. You might need a healing in your body. There might be something that you really strongly desire that you can't buy or that you can't produce yourself, that the Lord can do it. And the Lord will do it. I came to encourage you this morning and tell you that the Lord will do it, whatever it is. You know what it is. And whatever it is, the Lord will do it. But the word of God says that, you know, he, he freely gave us the Lord Jesus Christ. How shall he not with him? That's the most precious thing that the Father could give us. How shall he not with him freely give us all things? So God has given us all things. And, and that's more than enough. But yet and still, God has called us all to become members of a church, and he's called us all to be under the ministry of a pastor. And the question that we've been answering over the last couple of weeks that we'll continue to answer today is why? You know, why is that necessary? So we started off, and I'm not going to go into everything, but I believe you'll be blessed. But in Matthew chapter 9, uh, we talked about this uh, early on, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Um, it says, and Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. My God, that is an anointing right there. It says every sickness and every disease. Wow. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep 
having no shepherd. And we're just reviewing, but we said that, you know, as God's people, the word of God likens us to sheep. You know, we see that all throughout the word. It says, all we like sheep have gone astray. Uh, the word of God talks about in Psalm chapter 100, how we are the sheep, but the Lord is the great shepherd of those sheep. Um, and we talked about how sheep are really interesting animals. They, they herd together. You know, they, um, you have the older ones that are sheep. You have the younger ones that are the lambs. Then the first year, they're lambs. And the, but the word of God calls God's people that we're a lot like sheep. And, and to kind of help us illustrate this point, you know, we see Jesus as the shepherd. And in this example, his ministry is going forth. He's healing people. He's preaching. He's teaching. And Jesus' mindset is not just about a boil that's on somebody's skin or some condition that they were born with that they're that, that, that has hindered them all their lives and has caused them strain and heartache. You know, of course, that's in his mind to heal all of that and make it go away. But what's most on his mind is to bring us into his family so that we have fellowship with Almighty God, so that we can be with him for eternity. That's what his whole vision is for. And with all of that, the word of God says in verse 36, he sees all these multitudes and he's moved with compassion because they are fainting they are scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And we said that, you know, one of the reasons that God has called us to be part of a ministry and to be under the ministry of a pastor is because without the proper um, church membership, without being part of a body, we are isolated. And the word of God says that whether you realize it or not, whether you've been saved for a long time or not, whether you're strong in the word or not, if you are without a church and without a pastor, at some point, you're going to start fainting, and you're going to become scattered. And that's the part that grieved the Lord. The Lord didn't want that. You know, God is always wanting to make sure that we are comforted. So we said that in Matthew chapter 935, you know, the Lord wants to be part of a ministry. We said that in Psalm chapter 84 and verse 10, it talks about how one day in his courts is better than a thousand days somewhere else. You know, more specifically, the psalmist said, I'd rather be an usher in the house of God than hold the best, highest seat in the, in the place of the most prominence in the whole neighborhood. Give me the house of God. Let me be the usher. Why? Because the glory of the Lord is there. There's something about the house of God. Um, the, the, word, the word of God says in Psalm chapter 27, it's also how the Lord is our light and our salvation. Who shall we fear? The Lord is the strength of our life. Or who shall we be afraid? When the wicked and our enemies came upon us to eat our flesh, they stumbled and fell. And it goes on and it talks about how one thing have I desired that this is the psalmist talking. There's one thing have I desired. Of course, you desire a wife, but is that what you really want? Of course, you desire to make sure that your children's needs are met. Is that the most important thing? Of course, you desire good health. Now, the psalmist said, one thing I really desire, and it's this, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold his beauty and to inquire in his temple. There is something about the presence of the Lord that when you go into the house of God and you start to experience God's glory, the Lord will, will, will ask you to move out of the outer court. You know, uh, you can put your name there. I'm gonna use my name. The Lord will tell you, John, come, come out from the porch, you know, come out from the foyer, come out from that outward, outward court and come into the inward court. And then 
you know, we come into the inward court and we experience even more of God's glory. And that's not enough. Then the Lord will tell you, come, come from the inward court, John, come into the holy of holies where my presence is. And God wants us to come into the holy of holies. And there the Lord will begin to reveal his glory and his presence. And the word of God says that his riches are unsearchable, meaning if there is anything about life that is worth living, it's a relationship with the Lord. Um, we're talking about why it's important to go to the house of God. Then we said in Psalm chapter 92, says that once you get planted in the house of God, among a church membership, once you get planted and you, you plant feet and you take root there, then now you're in position for God to cause you to flourish. And I know we have some people listening that are into planting, that are into gardening. You know, maybe you're a farmer and you're listening. You, you know the importance of making sure that that seed is good and strong in that soil. Of course, the soil around it, is that's important for that to be right. But we want to make sure that we plant it nice and deep so that, that as you water it and as, you know, it gets the proper sunlight and it's being cultivated as far as the atmosphere is concerned, if the roots go deep enough and it's planted well, then you know what's going to happen. It's going to begin to flourish. It's the same way as, as God's people. You know, for us to flourish, you know, doesn't mean that you can't, you know, we st you're still going to be saved if you don't go to church. You might, if you gave your life to the Lord 10 years ago and you still don't have a church home and you don't get a church home until Jesus comes, you're still saved. But the word of God says that you are fainting and scattered, whether you realize it or not. The other thing is you're not flourishing to the degree that God wants you to. I mean, that's good, but God has so much more for you. You know, so that's part of being in the house of God. Then we said in Psalm chapter 122, it said, the psalmist said, I was glad, my spirit was glad when it was time to go to the house of the Lord, because your spirit is the part of you that makes contact with God. The Bible says that God is spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. That doesn't mean that you leave your mind at home. I know we got a lot of smart people that are listening, a lot of well-read, intelligent people who are erudite, who are articulate with your words. You know, that's a blessing. God gave you that. And of course, your, your hard work, but God doesn't expect you to leave your thinking cap at home when you go to church. But God is dealing with your spirit primarily because the word of God says that the things of the spirit of God, the natural man can't receive him. It, it, it surpasses the natural realm. It's, it's above the natural realm. It goes right to the parent realm, which is the spirit. The spirit realm is parent to the natural realm. Um, the natural realm is like a child to the spirit realm. And the word of God says that God is a spirit and he wants to make contact with your reborn spirit because that's the real you. He wants to move past your mind. You do need your mind too. God's going to deal with your mind, but he, he's going for your spirit first. And your spirit in Psalm 122 and verse one, your spirit is glad when it's time to go to the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. We said that. Then we said in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25, that the word of God says that we're supposed to assemble with other believers, with people that are like us, right? Now, here's the funny thing is God wants us to assemble on a regular basis together but he doesn't want us to be together all the time. He wants us to assemble together every now and again, but then he wants us to spread out and go get more. He wants us to spread out and he wants us to, to, to share the love and to share the grace, this great grace that he's given us with other people and bring them into the family. God has called us to love and to, and to he's called us to love others uh, as he loves us, but we're not supposed to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, but when we come together, it's so that we can be strengthened and go back out and get more. So Hebrews 10.25 says, not forsaking the assembly 
to assembling uh, of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. Because when you come together as believers, you know, when I get together with my brothers and my sisters who love God like I do, when I get together with them, we get to exhorting and encouraging each other. We get to advising each other. There's something, there's an area of their lives that they are strong in right now. And, and there's an area of my life that I might be not as strong in right now, that when I get together with them, the Lord knows that we can all be perfected. I can strengthen them in this area. They can strengthen me in this area. And before we turn around, we don't see a lot of weakness. That's why God wants us to assemble together. So we're talking about why church, just giving you a quick review. We talked about how there's a mighty anointing from God. And we all gather together in his name, according to Psalm chapter 34, verse three, it says, oh, come let us magnify the Lord together. Let us exalt his name together. Amen. Then we talked about how Jesus is the great shepherd um, and the great shepherd gives his life for the sheep, according to John chapter 10. You know, again, the word, we see that uh, analogy of us, we're like sheep. Jesus, though, he's the great shepherd. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20 says, now the God of peace that brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus. Wow. The God of peace that brought Jesus from the dead. You know, if Jesus is your elder brother, that means you could be dead in an area of your life and the Lord will bring you back from the dead. Uh, just a little side journey. You know, it felt like the call that God has placed on my life and the gift that God has placed on my life and the, and the, and, and the purpose that he placed on my life, for me, it felt like I died a, a, you know, a few years ago. It felt like it wasn't going to happen. And God is so good. The word of God says that he is the resurrect. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life that if something can be dead and though it be dead, I'll raise it up. I'll resurrect it. Right. So that, that, I hope that encourages somebody. If you feel like it's too late for what God has called you to, it's never too late. I'm going to say that one more time. If you feel like it's too late for that blessing that God has called you to, that he's called you to have, that thing that you desire more than anything else in the world, if you think it's too late because of your age, or you think it's too late because too much time has passed, or you've messed up too much, or you've made a mess of, of everything and put yourself out of position to receive it, it's never too late. The word of God says that, that, that he is the resurrection and the life. He that believes on, on the Lord, though he be dead, yet shall he live. And the funny thing about the premise of that scripture was Jesus was coming back into town to go and see about Lazarus who was sick. And he had heard about Lazarus' illness days before, and, they, and there was a sense of urgency. They were trying to get Jesus, come on back. And we know if you pray for Lazarus, you know, he'll get well, he won't die. And Jesus took his time. We know on purpose he took his time, but he took his time getting there. And by the world standards, by the people in that town, Jesus was too late. He was too late and Lazarus died. Well, you know what the word of God says? It's never too late in the, where the things of God is concerned. If it's already dead, the Lord will raise it, re resurrect it. Hallelujah. Hope that encourages somebody. That was Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20. God of peace who brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus. The point is that he's the great, great shepherd of the sheep. And it's through the blood of the everlasting covenant. He's going to do what? He's going to make us perfect. He's going to make us complete and mature in every good work that we do to his will. And that he's going to work in us to do that, which is well-pleasing in his sight. That is such good news. We don't have to do it. All we need to do is show up and be in God's presence and he'll make us right. Hallelujah. The Lord is good. I'm getting encouraged already. So we're, we're talking about why church. We talked about how there's something special in the house of God. We talked about how there's a blessing there, how you can be planted and flourish, 
how the glory of God is there, how God wants us to assemble together. Um, we talked about how Jesus is the great shepherd and the great shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He's literally our advocate. He's literally the person that has, that has, that has, uh, that has graciously and gently and lovingly moved us out of harm's way and stood in our place to receive the judgment for all of our sins. He's the advocate. He's the propitiation for our sins. He has satisfied the, the judgment of Almighty God because God is a loving father and he's still judge. He's got a judge. I didn't say God is a loving father, but because God is a father and a judge, right? So God is a loving father. That judgment has got to come down for our sins and God still loves us. And so God made a way and Jesus is that way. Hallelujah. No man can get to the father except by Jesus. I know there's a lot of religions of man, but it's only by Jesus because it took the second Adam to deal with the failure of the first Adam. And the second Adam is Jesus. First John chapter two and verse one, this is what it says. My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. But if any man sin, we have an advocate with the father. You know who that is? Jesus Christ the righteous. The Lord is very clear about this. And he is, and he alone is the propitiation for our sins and not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So you might be listening to this podcast and you know, you've been away from God and you know, you've heard the term, you know, um, being saved or born again or becoming a Christian or, or Christ-like or, or, um, giving your life to the Lord. There's a lot of different ways you can say that. And you know that doesn't apply to you. You know that you don't belong to God. Well, I want to tell you, technically, you're already saved. The Lord already did it. What he's waiting for is for you just to receive. He's just waiting for you to just receive what the Lord, what he has done for you. Amen. So we all belong to Jesus. Uh, we said, uh, you know, last month, we said that Jesus is the word. He's, he is the living word. So we belong to Jesus. What that means is I belong to my Bible. And when I read my Bible, I'm not reading a book. I am in the face of Jesus Christ, the righteous, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The word of God says that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So Jesus is the word and the word is God. And the word was with God in the beginning and the word made you and the word made me just the way you are, just the way I am. The word made your personality. The word made the things about you that you consider not so great, but there's a value in even those things. The Lord, the word made all of that. And so if there's anything broken in your life, you know, it's something, if, if I buy a new whatever, you know, and, it, and it's not operating right, it's best if I take it back to the maker, if I take it back to the manufacturer. That, that's the same thing that applies to, to you and I as humans, as people, is that when we're broken, when we need to be fixed, it's best if we go to our maker. Thank God for doctors. We need doctors. Thank God for medication. We need medication. Thank God for rest. We need rest. But, but there are some things that we got to get back to the maker so the Lord can make us right. So we're talking about why church. Then we talked about um, shepherds and how God has this thing called under shepherds, called pastors, and how these pastors, they are a gift from God for his people. That's according to Ephesians chapter four and verse 13, uh, 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 excuse me, Ephesians chapter four, uh, verses seven through 13. Uh, it talks about how God has given us grace and we see that God has given grace all throughout the word. And, and just real quick, what is grace? Grace is God's goodness in your life, in my life, 
way beyond what we deserve. I mean, way beyond. Just it's it's favor that comes to you from Almighty God that is completely undeserved and completely unmerited. As a matter of fact, if I was that good, I still couldn't get to the level where I deserve this kind of grace. That's how good God is. So that's why we, it's called the gospel. The gospel must be preached because it's good news. The good news is that you don't have to be bound by your sins. You don't have to be in jail, you know, with your own uh, things in life that are that are holding you down. The, the, the good news is that the Lord has made you free. The good news is that he started by making you free from your sins, making me free from my sins and calling us his righteousness. Oh my God, that is such good news. Hallelujah. And then we, do, we just go on. We're talking about the grace of God. Verse 11 says, and he gave some apostles, and so this is all part of the grace, fivefold grace. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. And we talked about what those mean uh, last week, but I just want to focus on pastors for a moment because the word pastor, talking about why church, that's where the pastors are, right? We know that evangelists, they come to church sometimes. They'll come in, they'll kind of, uh, they, they'll kind of like a, like a wind of the anointing, they'll breeze in with God's glory and his favor and a word from the Lord, and then they'll breeze out. That's a blessing. Those are the evangelists. Evangelists, a lot of times God will use to, 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 um, to bring people into the kingdom. So that's all of us do the work of an evangelist. Uh, we got the apostles, the prophets, not going to go into detail, but the, the pastors, those are the ones that are at the house of God and they stay at the house of God. Meaning those are the, the under shepherds that are there um, in the pasture among the sheep and they stay there. They're not going to breeze in and breeze out. The shepherds, the shepherds, they stay there. They live with the sheep, right? They stay with the sheep when things are good, when things are bad, when the sheep start acting up, when the sheep wander off, when the sheep have wool that's all tangled up, they got to comb it out. Sometimes the sheep have to be sheared. Um, sometimes one sheep might go away and the shepherd's got to leave somebody in charge of the other sheep while he goes out to find and probably have to rescue that one sheep that went away. I mean, this is the, the, the these are the pastors. The word pastor in the Greek means poimen, and we told you that that is a herdsman. So we can tell, now we're not just talking about these fivefold gifts. These are not people that give themselves a title. What, I'm, what, I'm, what, I'm, what we're talking about this morning by the Holy Spirit, these are people that God has ordained. God has put a gift on these people and made these people that way. So as, we, as it pertains to shepherds, or what we call pastors, these are people that God has given an anointing and an ability to herd people together. And when they get them together, the first thing that the pastor wants to do is he wants to feed them. And we see that in that example in Matthew chapter nine, Jesus has got the multitude, he's healed them, he's blessed them, he's loving on them, but then he's, he sees them and he's moved with compassion because they are sheep without a shepherd. And if you keep reading a couple of verses down, first thing he tells the disciples, let's feed them because that's what pastors do. Pastors are, are herdsmen, they are called to, um, to lead, they are spiritual leaders, they are spiritual feeders, and they are spiritual defenders. Those three things, they are pastors, are spiritual leaders, they are spiritual feeders, and then they are spiritual defenders. And we talked about, we just reviewed them real quick, and then we talked about how um, the, there's an example in the word, we see that, the, uh, that David, you know, King David, before he was King David, he was just little shepherd boy David. But it looked like he was just little shepherd boy, David. It was way more than that. You know, God likes shepherds and God was watching David the whole time. And one day the prophet Samuel came and anointed David and prophesied that one day he was gonna be king. 
And this is before he was ever king. And then the word of God said, Samuel went back to his ministry. And, and you know what David did? He went back to his sheep. But eventually that vision that God spoke, it rose and it was clear and it happened. And it was, it was, it was uh, David's faithfulness with those sheep that, that compelled God. It won God's heart and it counted him faithful to be an even greater shepherd over Israel. And, and that's exactly what happened. But, but the point is that, you know, he was a good shepherd and part of his role as shepherd was he defended those sheep. And we showed you in the word of God how an anointing camp came on David to go and protect his sheep at all costs. I'm just going to turn to it real quick. This is right before he meets up with Goliath. He's getting ready to uh, take Goliath out. Everybody else is scared, but not David. And Saul says, it says in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 32, David said to Saul that no man's heart fail because of him. Talking about Goliath. David says, your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And then Saul says to David, you're nothing but a teenager. You're not able to go against this Philistine and fight with him. You're just a teenager. You're a youth. This is a man of war. Look at his armor. Look how, forget his size for a minute. This man has experience. He's an experienced expert killer. You are a teenage shepherd boy. <laughs> and, and the word of God says in verse 34, because David is already anointed and he's confident in the gift that God has given him. And he's a wise shepherd that cares about his sheep. He says, and David said unto Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb, took one of the little ones out of my flock. And it says, and I went out after him and smote him and delivered the lamb out of his mouth. And as soon as he rose up against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. And then he says, thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. My God, that's not like at the same time. And then it says, and this uncircumcised Goliath, this Philistine, he's going to be just like one of them. Not a problem at all. I'm going to take him out too, because he's defied the armies of the living God. He's, go way, he's gone way above and beyond stealing one of my lambs out of my flock. He's defying God's people. Oh yeah, I'm going to take him out. Now, this is the, the work of a shepherd. And we told you that shepherds, they are spiritual leaders, they are spiritual feeders, but they are also spiritual defenders. This is nothing that they can do in their own ability. Clearly, David couldn't kill Goliath in his own ability with a slingshot, got this big sword and shield. You know, clearly that was an anointing from God. Clearly, a little teenage boy can't keep a lion and a bear from taking one of his lambs away. That was an anointing from God. The point is that one of the reasons why church is important is because that puts you under the ministry under the watch of a pastor. And that pastor has, a, has been deputized by the spirit of God to where things come up that are not like God, especially when it is specifically devil things, demonic things, dark things. The Lord has made that pastor a spiritual defender. Again, this is not his own ability. It's almost like he's been deputized by the spirit of God to stand on your behalf and to help you overcome whatever is coming against you, talking about why church is important. There is a scripture that's really powerful in the book of Isaiah. Um, in the book of Isaiah, let me just, here it is. Isaiah chapter 62, verse six. It says, I have set watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem. Whenever you see Jerusalem in the word of God, that's talking about God's people as a whole. So we can say it's talking about the children of Israel, but we know that the salvation of God extends way beyond Israel. It extends to all mankind. 
but we're not just talking about Jerusalem. When you see Jerusalem in the word of God, you're also talking about church, about God's people as a whole assembled together. And this is what it says. I have set watchmen. You know what a watchman is? A pastor. It's a poeman. You know, that's what pastors do. They watch and they pray. You know, they don't just pray. They don't just intercede. They also are watching with eyes open and God gives them special and a special ability to see. I have set watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace day nor night, meaning pastors are always praying for their, for, uh, for their, uh, for their sheep. Shepherds are always taking care of their sheep day and night, which shall never hold their peace day nor night. Ye that make mention of the Lord, keep not silence and give him no rest till he establish, until he make Jerusalem, talking about God's people, a praise in the earth. Wow, hallelujah. So that's what that's part of the of, of why God wants you to be in church. There's so much there. And another one of the benefits is the ministry of the pastor. The ministry of the pastor is essential because it keeps the sheep from being scattered and fainting. You know why we scatter and we faint? Because we're not fed. We're not getting the word. The word of God, uh, uh, I believe it's in the book of James. The word of God talks about how when you, as believers, we have to have the ability to receive, oh my God, I can feel the Holy Ghost as we say this. As believers, as God's people, we need to have the ability to receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save our souls. The word of God talks about how one of the endowments of a pastor is to watch for the souls of the people, right? So you put, you mess that together. The word of God talks about in the book of James, how we're supposed to receive with meekness. That's with a teachable heart with a humble heart, knowing that this person means me no ill will. This person is not trying to be in my business. This person is not trying to tell me something hard that I don't want to hear, but, it, but, it, but it'll help me. I'm supposed to receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save my soul. The engrafted word, that's the tattooed word. That's the word that is, you know, I know we got some people on this call that have tattoos. I don't have any personally, but the tattoos, you know, they are the person who was a tattoo artist, when they put that tattoo on, that tattoo, uh, especially if it's a good one and they're good at what they do, it is so precise. It's like surgery. And the more intricate the uh, design is for the tattoo shows the level of skill of that tattoo artist because every little stroke has to be extremely precise, extremely precise. That's how the word of God is. And this is how pastors are when they preach that word is, almost, it's, a, it's an engrafted word. It's a tattooed word. It's extremely precise. Every little detail is there. And it almost, it's like it's, it feels like it was a tailor-made word from Almighty God, specifically for that sheep, for that person that's hearing the word for right where they are right now. People who don't go to church, who don't have a pastor, they'll never receive the engrafted word. They'll never be able to get their souls saved. The word of God says that, you know, when you get born again, your spirit is reborn and, and, and belongs to God. But, but, but it's different when it comes to your soul. Your soul has to be renewed day by day. So, so there is a, 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 an, an evolution. There is a refreshing, a constant refreshing that must take place in my soul and your soul every day. Even though we're already born again and we're saved, our souls have to be saved every day. Every day we got to choose again with our souls. I'm going to walk with the Lord. Every day, every, every day, I got to choose to spend time in the word of God in prayer. Every day, I got to make conscious decisions to move toward the purpose and plan that God has for me. The Lord has saved me ultimately when I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior, but my soul still needs work. And your pastor is a big part of that work that needs to be done. So we're talking about 
the benefits of church, talking about the ministry of the pastor, how we, we can't, the word of God says that we can't forsake the assembly together of the saints. There's something there for God's people when we all come together. Now, I want to read another verse here, and this is really powerful. This is going to bless you. This is, um, this is in the book of, of First Peter. Um, and this, again, illustrates uh, the importance of, of being under, you know, under the right um, ministry, the ministry of a, of, of, a, of a pastor at your local church. Um, we already said that the pat, you know, you, you, you know, you know, you're a sheep. Uh, if you're a sheep, then you, then you need a shepherd. You might not have one, but if you're a sheep, you should have a shepherd. Um, and then, you know, we saw in John chapter 10, where the word of God says that sheep know the voice of their shepherd. Uh, I'm just going to read this verse real quick in John chapter 10. John, Jesus answered them, verse 25, I told you and you believe not. The works that I do in my father's name, they bear witness of me, but you believe not because you are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me, right? There is a, an especial anointing. If you are a Christian, if you are a believer, if you belong to God, there is a special anointing and there is somebody that God has ordained in the earth right now that every time they minister God's word, every time, it just seemed like it's for you. That means that's your pastor right? And, and, and listen, it may not be me. That's all right, because the word of God is profitable anytime you hear it, but I'm not just talking about you hearing the word. I can, everybody can go and turn on any man or woman of God and get blessed. I'm talking about being under the ministry of your pastor, because the word of God says that that's a person that is going to have the, the skill that is God ordained to speak a word into your life with precision. That's an engrafted word that will save your soul. And how do you know you found your pastor? The word of God says in verse 27, John chapter 10, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. You know the voice of your pastor when it seems like everything they say by the spirit of God is just, it, it's for you. You know, it seems like every time they preach, you might not even get along in the natural. You might not have anything in common in the natural, but when they preach, man, you are hearing God every time they preach. That might be your pastor. You got to pray about that. That might be your pastor. Um Pastors have a voice that their sheep know. John chapter 10, verse four says, when he puts forth his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him and they know his voice. A stranger, they, not, they will not follow, but will flee from him for they know not the voice of strangers. Um, now, but the operative part that I wanted to get into is that the pastors, this is what it says in Acts chapter, 10, um, chapter 20, uh, verse 28. We read this already. Take heed, this is uh, the apostle Paul. He's coming toward the end of his ministry, uh, he thinks. And so in Acts chapter 20, he says, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock. He's encouraging God's people and he's telling them to take heed to yourselves and to all the flock, to all God's people over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God. We see it again. There it is again. You know, pastors are shepherds. They are overseers of the sheep that God has entrusted unto them. And their job According to Acts chapter 20, verse 28, is to feed the church of God, right? Because they are his sheep, which he had purchased with his own blood. God is trusting under shepherds. He's trusting poimen, pastors, to feed the sheep that are among them, right? Then we said last week that uh, the other blessing that comes with you being in the house of God, aside from, you know, the glory of God and the blessing of God, the favor of God, Psalm chapter 133 said that when we come together under the unity of the spirit of God, God will command his blessing 
there's a commanded blessing there that we don't have to pray for, that I don't have to pray for, that we don't have to labor for. Just you get it by association, just because you're all together where God told you to be and in one place where the Lord ordained you to be, he commands his blessing. And we see it in the book of Acts. They were all in one place in the upper room on one accord. The Holy Ghost fell and they all received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence speaking in other tongues. So there's a there's great blessing in that. Then we said, and I'm closing, is that there is relationships that are in the house of God. And this is really powerful. There are relationships in God's house that, that you can't get anywhere else, that he, he needs you to be in the house of God so that you can receive what it is that he has for you when you get to the house of God. And one of those relationships is um, probably going to be somebody in the church, we said this last week, that you might not get along with, that in the natural, you guys are completely unbalanced, that you don't have anything in common, that, you know, you don't particularly even like the way they speak or the way they dress or the way they, you know, the way they operate. But the common denominator between you and those individuals or that individual, you guys have the same common denominator and the common denominator is Jesus. And if there's anything to have in common, that's what you want to have in common. And so I was just kind of giving you some, some examples out of the word. And I went, we went to John chapter 21 when Jesus had already rose from the dead. And we were looking at the relationship between Peter and John. And I told you last week by the spirit of God that Peter and John, they had some problems. They did not get along. And history, historically speaking, we know what kind of man Peter was. He was kind of a rough, blue collar man. He wasn't rich, but he had means. He had his own fishing business, but he worked for, for what he had. He was also very bold. He could be um, a little um, boisterous. And then, but we see John is like the polar opposite. John was very soft-spoken. The word of God says that John didn't say a whole lot, but boy, he was very observant. Anyway, these two didn't get along. And it seemed like every time, you know, Peter saw himself as, you know, he, he was probably a bigger guy in stature too than John was, but he saw himself as the man. And he saw John as like this little kid. And John was kind of young. He saw John as like this young guy, you know, but always hanging around Jesus, always kind of like, soft that's the way he saw john but the word of god says that um there were little things that would happen that we could see that there was something on john and there were some things that would happen that we could see that there was something good that was on peter and what god was trying to do was to bring them together but those two were always at odds at the mount of transfiguration when jesus when jesus became you know when they saw jesus in all of his glory for just a moment it, it was not all the disciples that saw that it was only peter James and John. James was kind of like the in-between. He was like the mediator between those two. James had a lot of wisdom. So Peter was boisterous. John was soft-spoken. James had wisdom. Peter and John did not get along. And when the Mount of Transfiguration, they were together. When Jesus healed that, that young girl um, and he put everybody else out of the room, he brought only with him Peter, James, and John. We see um, at, the, at, the, at the end when Jesus is um, being arrested and taken through all those courts that horrible night, it was Peter was tracking Jesus the whole night. He was kind of in the shadows, watching, trying to probably plan how, how he's going to make Jesus, how he's going to uh, rescue Jesus. But the word of God says John was tracking too. But John was doing it through more traditional means, you know, because John, John's family had money. That, that's, that's another story. Those two didn't get along is the point. But then the word of God says that after Jesus had ascended to the Father and after the Holy Ghost came, it was Peter and John that God used in a mighty way. The word of God says that Peter preached a message and, and one day 3,000 people were saved, but John was right there. The word of God says that they were headed to, to the place of prayer at the hour of prayer and somebody that was sick or, or, or blind, I think they were blind, um, they needed to get healed. And the word of God says that 
that um, Peter said, such as we have, because John was right there with him. So that relationship that was kind of off, God wanted to use that relationship to bring them together. And the last thing I want to leave you with today, talking about why we need to be in the church, in the house of God, is because there are other relationships. There are mentor relationships that are in the house of God. And guess what? You might be the mentor or you could be the one doing the mentoring. And I can't turn there because we're about out of time. But Acts chapter 13 talks about how Paul and Barnabas went out to preach. They went out for um, a sermon out somewhere, out for an evangelistic message somewhere. And it was suggested that this young man, John Mark, come along with them. And things, to make a long story short, things got hot and heavy during that trip. And the word of God says that John Mark was out. He bounced. He was out. And the word of God says later on in Acts chapter 15 that they got another assignment, Paul and Barnabas. And this just, just so you, you can see, the, the saints are not perfect. Paul and Barnabas got in an argument over John Mark because John Mark deserted them last time. Now, John Mark was Barnabas's nephew, so that was part of it. But Paul got mad and said, I don't want to take you. I come with us this next ministry trip. You see what he did last time? And the word of God says it was contention among them to where Paul and Barnabas separated. Paul took Silas, Barnabas took somewhere else, took somebody else, and they went their separate ways. And that just shows you God can still move despite our differences. But just, just so you can see that the, the example of coming into the church and the mentor, mentor relationship, I, I don't have time to turn there. But the word of God does say later on in Colossians chapter four, Paul says, you know what, that guy, John Mark, he's all right. I can see where God is, God is using him in a mighty way. Then later on in the book of Colossians, he says it again. And this time he says, that guy, Marcus, he is a blessing. He says he is very profitable in ministry. So these are all the things that come to us. We need to be around each other. That allows us a chance to mature as people being in the house of God, talking about why church. We're closing today, but maybe you're here today and you are born again. You love the Lord, but maybe you have experienced church hurt. Maybe the last ministry that you were at faithfully and that you were serving in uh, continuously, maybe something went down, maybe something happened and, and, and you haven't been the same since, you know, maybe it, it, it was somebody there, you know, maybe it was somebody in leadership there that offended you or hurt you or uh, you felt abused by, um, didn't have any regard for your gift or didn't see or whatever, whatever the case is. And as a result, you, you haven't been able to trust ministry or pastor since, I want to encourage you this morning because the word of God says that even though you might not be able to trust because you've been hurt, you are going to be the one ultimately that is suffering because you are going to be fainting and you are going to be scattered. And that's not, that's not God's desire. God's desire that you be fed, that you be led by the right spiritual leadership and God's desire that you be defended by that spiritual leadership. So I want to pray for you today. Um, if you're here on this call, just Close your eyes and bow your head as I pray over you. Father, we thank you right now for your presence on this call. We give you glory and honor and praise as we close today, Lord, for every hearer. We ask you, Lord God, to heal that, that heart that has been broken, Lord, because of uh, their experiences in ministry, uh, because of how they were treated by God's people. Because, you know, because they were young and impressionable when they first got saved and were thought that they would be received with open arms and they were rejected by people who are supposed to be your people. God, I just thank you, Lord, that we know that those people are your people, but that none of us are perfect. We thank you for the blood. Lord, I ask you to heal that broken heart of that person 
right now, Lord. I ask you to begin to strengthen them, Lord, and to help them, Lord, to forgive themselves and forgive those others so that they can trust again, Lord, so that they can love again, Lord, so that they can be in the place where you call them to be, Lord. And we thank you, Father God, for the importance of being in the house of God, of being amongst the brothers and sisters in Christ, of being under the ministry of the pastor. We thank you, Lord God, that it is truly profitable for all in Jesus' name, that it will all it will make us all perfect and that it will, it will, it will, it will make us all be strengthened with might by your spirit in the inner man. We went a little longer than I intended to, but we're still on time. Lord bless you, keep you, make his face to shine upon you, be gracious unto you and give you peace. Make sure you spend time in the word of God and prayer this week. We love you. Lord bless.